Hey, Death by Misadventure listeners. The newly updated Dragonfly True Crime series with Case File Presents is now available for download on Apple, Spotify, or your favorite streaming platform. The Dragonfly docuseries follows the history of Brett Cantor's case spanning from 1993 to 2023, with compelling new interviews and intriguing details about other high-profile cases potentially linked to his unsolved murder. As the 30-year anniversary of Brett's tragic death approaches on July 30th, we remain hopeful that the Dragonfly series will continue to shed light on his unsolved case. Discover more about Brett Cantor's story by visiting dragonflypodcast.com or casefilepresents.com or check out our YouTube channel at Dragonfly Podcast. Today, I'm excited to share with you one of Death by Misadventure's classic episodes from the archives. In this conversation, we talk with four gifted psychic detectives who discuss Brett's case, offering unique insights into that fateful night. This exclusive information didn't make it into the new series, making it a must-listen for all those fascinated by the supernatural. Originally recorded in 2020, the psychic's intuitive impressions included several clues that later were confirmed in our cold case investigation. Among these talented psychics, one of my personal favorites is Debbie Malone, Australia's leading medium. You may recognize her from the popular Sensing Murder TV series or her notable feature in the highly acclaimed true crime podcast, The Teacher's Pet centered around the investigation of Lynn Dawson's murder. Debbie played a fascinating role in the trial of Lynn's husband, Chris Dawson, and definitely should be added to your true crime binge list. For all our believers in the supernatural, this episode is an absolute must-listen, offering chilling insights into Brett Cantor's cold case through the eyes of these gifted psychic detectives. I'm GC Nova, and this is death by misadventure. Our episodes deal with serious and often distressing incidents and may not be suitable for children. If you struggle with addiction, feel depressed or have suicidal thoughts and you need support, please contact your local crisis centre or reach out to a friend to ask for help. Edgar Allan Poe, a famous poet, once said, The boundaries which divide life from death are at best shadowy and vague. Who shall say where the one ends and where the other begins? In the aftermath of a loved one's sudden or violent death, many family and friends are left feeling traumatised and often feel stuck or frozen in time. For the Cantor family, life was never quite the same after Brett's tragic murder, especially for his father, Paul. Over the next 20 years, he waited patiently with his family to find out who killed his son. Sadly, he passed away in 2014, not knowing who murdered Brett, and just six months later, his oldest son, Cliff, died of an overdose. But Brett's mum and brother, Mark, haven't given up hope, and they believe that one day his killer will be caught. When it comes to cold cases, it's important to leave no stone unturned, when looking for clues. In our investigation, 
led by Pat Tapia. We had an opportunity to speak with the original detectives assigned to Brett Cantor's case, interview witnesses, speak with family members and close friends. Each conversation led us to some very dark places. There are many layers to this story, and we gained a new perspective on what happened that fateful night. New bits of information have become critical pieces to a deadly puzzle and have helped shine a light on who murdered Brett Cantor and why. In this episode, we investigate the thin veil between life and death to search for clues from beyond. When a case runs cold or leads have been exhausted, some families and even police detectives may seek out assistance from a psychic medium who investigates crimes by using their supernatural insight. In murder cases, psychic detectives claim to communicate with the spirit of the dead victims. Many popular television shows, like Sensing Murder, use psychics to help shed light on cold cases by assisting police with new clues. Over the years, this type of information has been met with considerable skepticism by both law enforcement and the public. Many police departments around the world have released official statements claiming they do not regard psychics as credible or useful in cases. However, behind the scenes, some homicide detectives have remained open-minded and will discuss cases in secret with psychic detectives. They hope these type of conversations can provide new clues about an unsolved murder or a missing person case. We believe most homicide detectives would agree they have their own keen sense of intuition. They follow their gut feelings about suspects, which will later prove to be accurate. But in their mind, it's called good detective work and has nothing to do with the supernatural. In Brett Cantor's case, our team agreed to consider alternative sources to gather information about his unsolved murder. We spoke with four well-respected psychics who were considered experts in their field. None of them were given prior information about Brett Cantor's case. The psychic insights they provided was not only chilling but fascinating and may provide clues to the real motive behind Brett's tragic murder. San Francisco in May 2019 to return to Los Angeles to begin research on Brett Cantor's cold case. I wanted to learn more about what happened to him the early morning of July 30th. I reconnected with old friends to discuss what they remembered and began my private investigation. I have always felt his murder had been swept under the rug or overshadowed by the O.J. Simpson trial. Brett was well-respected in the entertainment community and had many influential friends in the industry. Why wasn't the media talking about his murder? I felt many people in the nightclub industry knew who murdered Brett, but were too afraid to talk. I always felt something was off about his case, and I wanted to learn more. 
When I moved to Long Beach, I experienced many serendipitous moments along the way to help guide me in my research and one chance encounter I will never forget. I met Lisa Najjar, the author of the book Dying to Tell You, at a crystal shop in Laguna Beach in June 2019. I learned that she was a psychic medium and she used her intuitive gifts to speak to the dead. We talked about the death of my mother and the profound grief I felt losing her under such tragic circumstances. I was hopeful that a family member would try to make contact with me through Lisa, and instead, to my surprise, Brett Cantor came forward. I had no intention of talking to Lisa about his case, and I initially told her no, but she told me that his spirit insisted and he had some important information he wanted to share. At the time of our conversation, the public details about Brett's cold case were limited, and most information online was inaccurate at best, pure speculation or entirely fabricated. One of the first questions I asked Lisa is why was Brett Cantor murdered? She said he appeared sad and frustrated. He kept telling her it was never supposed to happen, and the killers had made a mistake. I asked Lisa if Brett knew who murdered him, and she said he knew one of the killers, and the others were more acquaintances than friends. He told her his head and neck hurt, and the two men had beaten him. Lisa felt he had been betrayed by a woman, and the police had already interviewed one of the suspects responsible for his death. The conversation left me shaken, and at the time, I had no way to confirm if the information Lisa provided was accurate until six months later. The stars would align in August 2019, when Pat Tapia moved right next door to me in Long Beach. I soon learned that he had retired three months earlier from the L.A. County Sheriff's Department, where he had been a homicide detective for the last 38 years. I told Pat about Brett's cold case, and I asked him if he could help. He was intrigued and put me in touch with Rick Jackson, the original homicide detective assigned to Brett's investigation. The retired detective agreed to do an interview with us to discuss Brett's unsolved murder because it was one of his cold cases that continues to haunt him. He hoped the information he provided would generate new leads in the investigation and shine a bright light on who murdered Brett Cantor. The next psychic detective we spoke with was Troy Griffin, a world-famous intuitive who has worked on over 600 missing person cases and unsolved murders. He works with police departments to provide new clues, direction, and guidance in helping solve cases. He agreed we could share his interview and intuitive insights on who murdered Brett Canner. He also offered to provide assistance and work with Pat Tapia on the case if needed. Before our session, we sent him a list of questions about the case. Troy gathers information via remote viewing, and he connects to the murder scene through the victim's eyes. They show him pictures to tell him what happened, and here's what he had to say. 
Hi, this is JC Nova. Troy, we want to thank you for agreeing to do a cold case reading for us today. I have Patrick Tapia with us, and he is a retired homicide detective with LA County Sheriff's Department. And we're investigating the death of Brett Cantor, who was found murdered on July 30th, 1993, in Hollywood in his apartment. And we've been working on this case for almost a year. We've interviewed the former detectives, his family member, business partner, friends, and we're just hoping that you can share some insight on what may have happened to him. So we wanted to ask you some questions to hear some insights that you might have on what happened to Brett that evening. Great. So the first question that I have is, how many people do you think were involved in Brett's murder? I think there were a total of three people involved. And do you think that Brett knew who killed him? Were they friends, acquaintances? I think Brett had probably known of who killed him, probably may have met him, but I don't think they were friends, no. Why do you think Brett was murdered? What was the reason? I believe Brett was murdered out of jealousy and rage. Was this murder over a girl? Over, say, he might have been dating somebody else's girlfriend, or they might have gotten in a disagreement in relation to that? I think it involves a woman he was dating who had issues in a previous relationship controlling relationship. I believe there was a rage of jealousy. And I believe this person with two others. My first thought is I think it's some people that went over there to, I guess, wild them up, work them up. And I think that the rage came in and it became an active rage. Why do you think it's taken so long for the case to be solved? I think that there's a lot of missing parts, and I think the person that has the answers won't speak. I know that they've been interviewed, but I think that a lot of the answers is with one person. You said three people were involved. Was it three men? Was it two guys and a girl? Do you know the sexes of the people that were involved? Yep. So I have two guys and one girl. And so I'm not saying my my person of interest, the female, actually did it, that I could see it be a murder-for-hire plot. But I definitely know there were two guys with the possibility of another person, which could be another female, in a car waiting. So I think these people left in a car, and I think there was somebody waiting in the car to take them away. In our conversation... Troy said the driver of the car was a female, and the two men told her they needed to make a quick stop at Brett's house, but she was unaware of their deadly motives. He believed the two men's initial intention was to roughen him up, but the altercation soon escalated and Brett was murdered. Troy confirmed that one of the suspects had been interviewed by police detectives more than once, and they were prior patrons of Brett's underground club at Dragonfly. He also stated he believed it was a murder for hire.
The third psychic medium we spoke with is Debbie Malone in Australia, who for the last 28 years has assisted police departments in murder investigations and missing person cases. She previously appeared in the popular true crime TV series Sensing Murder and was named Australia's Psychic of the Year in 2013. She's also the international best-selling author of several books, including Clues from Beyond, Always With You, Never Alone, and Awaken Your Psychic Abilities. Debbie has sensed spirit since she was a little girl and has had six near-death experiences. These experiences have heightened her intuitive abilities to speak to the dead. Over the years, she has provided the link for thousands of people to communicate with their loved ones who have passed on. Debbie Malone's methods are very similar to Troy Griffin. She also psychically connects through the murder victim's eyes. When she tunes into an item or a photograph, it's like watching television. She sees snippets of their life flash before her. Debbie shared with us the night before our session that Brett came to her in a dream and showed her two men and a blonde woman. Next, she saw an off-white 1990 Cadillac or Lincoln Town Car driving away from the murder scene. It's personal, and he said, I saw the bastard, and he's telling me it was a deal gone wrong. Playing with the big boys, they turned on me, mafioso, question mark. Part of the gang, and then again, they turned on me. Then he gave me the song, and this was for you. Uh, the song was Simple Minds, Don't You Forget About Me, um, and I feel like it's about bringing, bringing justice or bringing out the truth. The tide will turn, and he says, the truth will come out, but you must be careful of yourself because these people want this buried. Debbie sensed Brett's murder had a gang connection and he may have witnessed illegal activity at the club that he was either against or wasn't supposed to know about. Now he's talking to me about money laundering. So there's something going on there. He's showing me a safe and money. Now I'm hearing a deal gone wrong. But it's almost like it's it's not his deal. It's kind of like it's somebody else's on their behalf. Um, he's saying to me what is being bandied about in the media is not exactly the truth. He's showing me there's a connection, but it's not really a connection. We have a word over here called a furphy, so it's kind of a liar. It's to put you off the trail. And I kind of feel it's it's almost like to divert you from the truth. Her comment gave me chills and I flashed back to a previous interview with one of the club promoters who was reluctant to be interviewed for the podcast. He said bad things happen to people who know too much. Also, many believe the conspiracy theories surrounding Brett's case is merely a diversion tactic by the individuals responsible for his murder. No one will ever get to the truth if they're always distracted by misinformation posted online. The other interesting piece of information that Debbie provided is she sensed one of Brett's killers was from another country. We found this especially intriguing because Detective Jackson stated in his earlier interview that he used Interpol, the International Criminal Police Organization, and Scotland Yard to track down potential suspects and witnesses living in the UK and Scandinavia. 
In her next vision, Brett showed her an image of River Phoenix and the Viper Room. She asked if River Phoenix or Johnny Depp had hung out at the Dragonfly before. She felt there may be a connection. The Viper Room owned by Depp opened on October 31st, a few months after Brett's murder. The same night, River Phoenix died of a drug overdose in front of his club. What I found most eerie was Anthony Fox, the co-owner and business partner of Johnny Depp, had disappeared eight years later after Brett's death. Fox was last seen in Ventura County, California on December 19, 2001, and vanished a few days after his daughter's birthday. Almost 20 years later, he's still considered a missing person, and his body has never been found. Anthony Fox's case has intrigued many, and there are several theories on what deadly fate he met in 2001. The club owner disappeared just a few days before he was scheduled to testify in a multi-million dollar lawsuit against Johnny Depp and his other business partners, claiming they had bilked him out of millions of dollars. According to Radar Online, one of his close friends, Donna Lynn, a Los Angeles music producer, stated in an interview that she believes Fox would still be alive today if it weren't for the lawsuit. Donna Lynn said the timing of his disappearance is very suspicious. Fox had expected to win his lawsuit against Depp, but before he had his day in court, he vanished. His truck was later found abandoned 300 miles north of Ventura on January 6, 2002, in Santa Clara, California. Fox left behind a teen daughter who he adored and several thousand dollars in his bank account. Two years after his disappearance, Johnny Depp and his partners would sign over ownership of the Viper Room to Fox's daughter. What connection Brett's case may have to the Viper Room, if any, is unknown. But what we do know is owning a nightclub in Hollywood is a dangerous business. At the end of our session, Debbie told us she believes Brett was betrayed by someone he knew, and his murder was motivated by money and power. He got in the way of something. He knew something that he shouldn't have known. There were multiple people who wanted him out of the way. There's some connection to the music industry as well, and I don't know if someone felt he was treading on their toes. So I understand what you mean, because there is many layers. It's almost like I need to sort of look further into this because there's so much going on. But yeah, I think he, when you've said, did he do business with this person? Yes, with a number of the people. Have the police already interviewed the killer? Yes. She warned us that we needed to be careful and that we were close to identifying the key suspects in Brett's cold case. She said that many people want the investigation to remain closed, which we believe as well. And she referred to Brett's murder as a house of cards. The killers responsible for his death will lead to many more crimes, including other unsolved murders. The 
The final psychic I spoke with is Justine Kenzer, an intuitive healer in Los Angeles. She's been featured in the New York Times, has appeared on multiple TV shows, and is considered one of the most gifted psychics in her field. I invited Justine to meet me at Brett Cantor's old apartment in Hollywood. The manager took us on a tour of his building, and we had an opportunity to retrace Brett's final steps the night he was murdered. What Justine felt immediately is that the killers had been to Brett's house more than once. The inside of the building was like a maze, and if you weren't familiar with the layout, you could easily get lost. There was easy access to enter or exit the building via the alleyway that led to a door and took you inside the building. She believed that Brett sensed his end was near. You know, some part of him knew who this was. Not that he knew the person who took him out, but he knew behind who was taking him out. So what I'm sensing from him is that this sense of fear and kind of doom was like, oh, this isn't going to end well. You know, it's just like having a feeling that you can't shake, like something definitely happened where he started to feel this and knew that it was coming on some level. And he, it wasn't a feeling like, oh, I can stop this. It was just like, he was very intuitive and just felt this like creeping up on him and that he couldn't shake it. You know, it's like he was feeling the dark as it was being planned or it was kind of coming up upon him. When I asked why Brett was murdered, Justine sensed someone wanted him taken out. It really seems that it was about business. You know, it feels very male energy, not that I think anyone's going to be shocked by that, but it just really seems like it was a male that would have some sense of power or some position of power that kind of called the shot tear and set the ball rolling. You know, so it seems like Someone made this decision to have him taken out, and then they organized that happening. She believes that one of Brett's killers has already been interviewed by police and explains why his murder remains unsolved. Seems like this person has a lot on a lot of people, right? So just no one wants to really... It's just power. It seems like a game of power, and that this person kind of untouchable, you know, was untouchable at that time. It seems like this person holds things over people's heads. So, because it seems to me like other people know what happened, but if they were to speak out about it, that they were afraid of that same thing happening to them, so they didn't. She believes that Brett may have shared his concerns with his brother, Cliff. He knew, but like, again, it wasn't like written down anywhere. Nobody talked about it. It's just like knowing in your heart or knowing in your, you know, it's like deep down, he knows what was behind this. It seems to me that Brett might have even told him, you know, it just seems like there was a discussion about this or a concern or a worry. It just doesn't look like it was something that happened out of the blue. This belief was also echoed by Debbie Malone who told us she felt that Cliff was concerned he might meet a similar fate. Sadly, he died of a drug overdose in 2014.
Whether you believe in the supernatural or not, what we found most compelling in the clues each psychic provided is that all four picked up on similar information about Brett's cold case. They all believed his unsolved murder was business-related and motivated by jealousy, power, and greed. They also sensed that two men and a blonde woman were involved and that Brett knew at least one of them. They all mentioned one of the suspects is being protected by someone in a position of power, and the police have already interviewed at least one of his killers. More importantly, they believe Brett Cantor's cold case will be solved in the near future. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Death by Misadventure. If you enjoyed the show, don't forget to show your support by liking and subscribing to our podcast and leaving us a five-star review. Be sure to check out our website at deathbymisadventure.net or drop by our brand new YouTube channel at Death by Misadventure Podcast. Tom and I will be back in the next few weeks with new Death by Misadventure episodes and I'm looking forward to sharing some of our favorite true crime paranormal stories. I'm JC Nova. Thanks for listening.